Oh yeah. Can you see me all right? Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. This ugly mug. Oh, you're beautiful. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm cleaning my desk. I never sit down here, but I mix all my drinks before I go running. I have all kinds of shit all over. It looks like I'm still doing a bunch of coke. <laughs> you said have random white powders laying around everywhere. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I had to like clean up my little, like little office area too because like I don't know I like like a clean environment when I'm gonna right. like try to do something like this. I just kind of have to. I feel you, dude. But, you should have came down to trail maintenance. You could have seen the crazy course you're running in three weeks. Oh boy, how crazy are we talking? You know, there's almost six thousand feet of gain. Did you realize That's that? Fun. I, I knew it was going to be a lot. I did. Um, I went for like a fairly long run today, and I did a thousand, but that's you know far short. Well, um, you'll six. definitely you'll you'll be running in mud, and and you'll have wet feet. That's regardless, be fun stuff. Yeah, regardless of what time of the year for this race, you will have wet feet on this course. <laughs> so just yeah. be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. There's no avoiding it, and especially well, in Maine. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably gonna. Who knows? It might rain or something like that. But you know, yeah, I kind of just randomly decided to do it, just on like a spur of the moment thing. You know, those are my two best friends, didn't you? Did I tell I you? I know that? you said that you knew you knew them, but I, I was yeah. Aware Jeremy of and Eric are both two of my best bestest friends. That's awesome. great directors. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So and it was funny because I I was looking for. You know, I just kind of got the urge of like, okay, I want to do something like soon and not wait until September. So right. I, I was like looking and, uh, and like I couldn't find, there aren't like a lot of races going on as compared to most years, you know, because like a lot of them yeah. shut down COVID. So this was actually like the, the only one that kind of matched what I wanted. And then I, I just happened to also be in the same, you know, basically the same place as, as the 50 right. mile. So. It is. Yep. Yep. And then I think, I think we're going to progress you and you're going to run Canal Corridor 100 with me. <laughs> wait, wait, what's that? That is the one I just signed up for, first weekend of October. Of October. Oh, right. we're talking some quick progression here. No, nah, you're fine. September, 50 miles October. beginning of August, or I mean the beginning of September. You will yeah. be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I see, the, like, the thing is, like, I, I believe that, like, I could do a hundred miles maybe right now. I just like the amount of like pain and suffering I would have to go through to well, get to hundred. I, I think if you progress right now, that is, that's very wise. What you just said. Um, yeah. You train so you don't hurt after a race. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of training too. It, it is. Um, I think you'd be fine. And it is a very, uh, I don't want to say, there's no hundred milers that are easy. This one is so well supported and it's flat, but it is so well nice. supported. Yeah. yeah. It's I think that flat. is what I want to do for my first hundred mile. Is, is like or isn't. That isn't going to wreck my shit too much, you know? No, well, no. Relatively. No, no. I'll run with you. I'll, I'll stay by your side and I'll keep you healthy. <laughs> I've never heard yeah. anybody yet. Yeah. 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 Yep. Think about it. It, it. It's it's such a fun race. Yeah. You yeah. Run, I, run along. You run along the canal, the whole way. Yeah. I'll and see. And you drink, don't you? You have a few. Um, drinks, don't you? 
I, I mean, the answer is I don't not drink, but like I can probably count on my hand the last, like the last, like I can count on one hand with probably one finger the amount of times I've drank it in the last like year. So like well, it ends at a brewery. It starts at a brewery and ends. Yeah. At a brewery. So if I did a hundred mile beer. race, the last <laughs> thing I need is alcohol. I I literally it wasn't that long ago. I drank like it was probably like I, I think I had like one beer. I, I forget when, but I drank one, like just one normal, and and it like it fucked with my sleep. And I woke up and I felt hungover from like one beer. And like it's just what old age feels like because <laughs> this is ridiculous. No, I can give you. I can give you the recipe. You just keep drinking hair of the dog. I don't recommend oh it. I I don't recommend it. But <laughs> I I had my alcohol phase, you know, like when I was in the army, and I like right. got all that shit out of my system, all yeah. of it. I drank. I drank enough to satisfy that urge for sure. Right? Isn't it? Isn't it kind of shitty? Well, it's just what the military does. I don't know if it's. I don't think. Actually, I don't think the military is any different as a rite of passage to drinking than fraternities are, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's the military that. is kind of a fraternity. Like, you live in a dorm, it basically. Exactly. It is the male ego thing. For sure, yeah. Oh. That's kind of the... Because, I mean, all you're getting is usually, you know, this is like a stereotype, but usually it's like... And I include myself in the stereotype, but usually it's like younger males don't have a super defined purpose in life. And are are just kind of looking for their place in society or to elevate their status, find themselves type of thing. And you give them a gun and alcohol. Yeah, you give them a gun, alcohol, and then they're like, okay, let's you know figure some shit out. So it kind of goes many ways. Yes, absolutely. But I uh, so I was thinking because like we did like the whole last podcast, and we went through your you know kind of like your whole life and everything. Right. And I was like, oh, man, like we didn't really like end up hitting too much on like all the ultra running and stuff like that, <laughs> which which especially too now that I'm, I, I want to like get into that a little bit more. Right. I was really like interested in like all those experiences, like like all the like, you know, like times you didn't finish, times you did finish, like all the things that went on. Right. All of that. So I, I guess I'm curious what like the first ultra you ever did, like where like where was it, how far and, and how like. How was that? The first ultra was um, the Huff 50K. That was in 2012, 2012. Like the last. And that was right around the time you kind of like really got sober last, right? I was still sober at that time, but I had it relapsed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, and I was. Um, March, April, nine months into the HIV. Oh, okay. I was, think I had started meds just before that. So it was two months after my first marathon, the Huff 50K, middle of the winter. It's in Indiana. Um, actually, my counselor at the time, the guy that started racing for recovery, he was running it with me. It was his idea. Um, and this is a kind of, yeah, screw it. I don't care because I don't like the guy. This is the kind of douchebag he is. It was all about him. We, we, did, we did run together till mile 22. Now, now, mind you, I had just run my first marathon. So I was still timid. I was still, um, I was still fucked up in the head. 
over like the HIV a whole lot, you know, I was just nine months with the HIV and just, um, I wasn't confident. I wasn't arrogant like I am now. Not that I'm arrogant. I can be. I, I had no confidence. And uh, he ditched me at mile 22 because it was too cold. And really? Sucked. I, I finished. It sucked, dude. It was um, shin deep snow. We drove in a blizzard to get there. We probably oh. shouldn't have drove, you know, but um, I finished. But it was miserable. And I was just like we were just talking. I was sore the next week because I was not trained. And it was just a fifth. Just I I shouldn't say the word just. I hate that word. Just and just and only. Um, we sell ourselves short when we use those words. But it was a 50k and I was dead. And once again, just like I had said prior after the Marine Corps marathon, man, I'm never fucking doing that again. That's the runner's so then, motto, I think. Then I just um Actually, my next altar was a hundred miler in 2014. Wow. Yeah, right after I had relapsed. Um, no, July of 2015. July of 2014 was my first introduction to the hundred miles. That's when I crew and paced Eric, and um, he dropped at mile 86, and that was the Burning River. And the following year. Yeah, July of, it was either last weekend of July or first weekend of August of 2015 was my first 100 miler. And I dropped at mile 86. Um, I went in very arrogant, very cocky, very, I'd only seen 100 miler before. Um, but I saw some of the people doing it and I'm like, man, them motherfuckers can do it. I can. Um, and my longest race or not race, my longest training run was actually the Glass City Marathon, which is the last weekend of April. That was my longest run prior to a 100-mile race three and a half months later. So, and my, my weekly totals back then leading up to that 100-miler were probably 50 would have been very stretching it. I was probably 25 to 30 miles a week going into that 100 miler and I ran really really well I mean I ran the first 50 in like 10 and a half hours um didn't know nothing about nutrition didn't really know anything about it I would just and from mile probably I'd say about the 100k mark till I dropped was just running on pure uh spite um gotta finish this no physically i was drained and mentally i would just kept pushing myself and when i got i will i when i got to mile 86 to that aid station i couldn't eat i was i was beyond tired um and that was only you know i was at I had six hours, no, I had five hours to do that last 14 miles. So I was at mile, or I mean, uh, hour 25 of running, because that's a 30 hour time limit. And from that aid station to the next was like six miles, 5.8, something like that. And I was like, 
There's no way I'm getting stranded in the woods and sitting down and falling asleep out there. And I looked at my pacer and all the people at the aid station tried to get me, you know, they tried to motivate me like they do. And I'm just like, you know, I'm fucking done. I'm done. And it's, it's called, uh, that's, that part of the race is called covered bridge. Um, it's not part burning river change of course. I'm not sure if you go through covered bridge, I think you do, but it's not at that point of the race anymore. But that was like one of the, after you got past covered bridge, it was part, probably some of the more easy part of the course left. And that's what they kept telling me. But so it's a, it's this old bridge and I just went in the bridge and I just started, I cried like a little bitch, put my, put my hand head between my knees, leaning up against the wall. And then, you know, for about five minutes, you know, I had the little kid fat lip going. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, the tears came and then I was just like, you know, uh, they were trying to talk to me and they knew I just didn't want to talk to anybody. Everybody that was around was. And then I just kind of got up and I'm like, you know what? I fucking ran 86 miles. I said, and I did, I looked up, I'm like, God, you let me run fucking 86 miles. What the fuck? From a 50 K to 86 miles. And, um, I learned a lot from that race. I probably could have finished looking back. There isn't, you know, would have, could have, should have anymore. But I, I started out way too fast. I started out cocky. Um, but I learned a lot. And it was, um, I don't know if it was my best learning experience in ultras, but it was a, definitely a good one. Um, and next year, I, I finished it. I finished it with... Um, that was my fuel for the whole year, probably for that whole year was going back and redeeming myself at that race. <clears throat> and trying to think if I did any ultras in between there, even again, don't. <sighs> yeah, I did. So that was August. Yeah. About three weeks later, I ran a 50 miler in Marquette, Michigan. Three um, weeks. Yeah, three three weeks later, I ran the Marquette fifty miler with the same guy that paced me, my friend Dave. Um, so it was a friend of his was supposed to run it, and he got hurt. So he's like, "Do you want to go up to Marquette?" And I'm like, "No, I'm done running," because I was a bitch. No, I I DNF that race. I'm done. I'm not running. I'm not a runner anymore. You know, <laughs> I go. Through I'm those, retired from running. <laughs> yeah, I go through those fucking bitch phases. So, um, finally, about a day later, and you know, Marquette, I was living in Michigan at the time, Toledo, Ohio. So Marquette's like an eight hour drive to the upper peninsula anyways. And we were work happened to fall into play because we were working for 10 hour days. Um, so I could get off, we could leave Friday morning, head up there. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I'll do it, Dave. So we emailed the race director and he said, sorry, no bib transfers. Like, fuck. So then Dave sends him an email. Dave is a uh, veteran also and a member of Team RWB. So he sent him, he said, hey, we're two veterans, blah, blah, blah. And I sent the race director uh, uh, an email also. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. I'm in recovery. I'm HIV positive. I, I run these races because it keeps me sober. And he said, 
he didn't give a shit about all that. He said, I'll do anything for veterans. So, so we got the bib transfer and, uh, man, it was, it was an awesome race. Um, I went up there, I talked to the race. I can't remember his name, but when we got there, we met the race director at packet kickoff. And all of a sudden cocky Bob comes back out and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm not, I think I'm going to tear your course up. And he, he asked me, how are you going to do? And I said, I think I'm going to tear this course up. And he's like, really? How many altars have you run? Like, <laughs> well, I ran the Huff 50K and um, three weeks ago, I DNF'd at mile 86 of the Burning River 100. That's it. He goes, oh, all right. He said, yeah, the Burning River. He said, that's all right. He said, I've ran that. I'm like, oh, shit. He said, you know, I got a lot of elevation. I forget the elevation, but it was a lot of climbing. You hit the three, the three tallest, highest points of uh, the Upper Peninsula in that race. So I, um, I ended up, I think, eighth overall and second in my age group, though. But it was really fun. I met, um, it was a, a huge confidence build, builder, but it also humbled me, too. Um, when I came in, so you come in, you come in at the 50K mark, the guy, the people that run the 50 miler, and then you have to go back out and reverse um, whatever, what, 19 miles of the course, which was all the climbs again. So those three points, the highest points in the UP, you hit them twice, each one. You go up, down, up, down, up, down to the start finish line. Then you go back out, up, down, up, down, all the way around. So when I got there at the halfway mark or a little over at the 31 mile mark, he asked me how it's going. I go, dude, this course is humbling me. I said, I'm having a great time. I'm having a blast, but your fucking course is humbling me. And when I finished um, and they told me that I was second in my age group, I'm like, holy shit. He said, how do you feel now? I said, I'm tired. I said, I've learned a lot, I said, and once again, your course humbled me, but I said it was a great race, and you put on a great race, and it, that, and then, so that was like three weeks after, and then I ran that huff again in December of that year, because that one's close to home in Michigan, um, and it's like the last, a lot of people in the, like, Tri-state area, Detroit, or I mean, uh, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, all run that race because it's the end of the year. Usually it's last weekend of December. So it's like the last hurrah, let's run a 50K. Let's end this year, right? And then, so I ran that and then um, ran the Glass City Marathon again leading up. And then in June of 2015 I ran um no yeah two, 2016 I was living with Eric in Canal Fulton and it was the first year for the Eagle Up Ultra 24-hour ultra which now this year is the largest 24-hour race in the world that's it's gonna kind be of a different level you what? know the, the like time thing instead of like a distance where I, I kind of like that concept because I feel yeah, like it, they're fun. It's they're like fun. It's so just, that one's a five five mile loop, five, and you got twenty four hours. But it, it, I don't know. It seems like it's it's kind of cool because it's like there's no finish line per se. It's just no. like 
how much can you do? It's you exactly. against yourself. You against the but the, the thing about Eagle Up, which is different than a lot of the 24-hour races, so they do have a medal for a 50K finish, a 50-mile finish, 100K. Um, they also have one called a 50-50, which is a 50-miler plus a 50K, a, a special medal. That's 81 miles. And then, of course, a 100-mile buckle. So, um, But that was the first year for it. And I ended up uh, first male overall and second place overall. I got beat, I got beat by a, a chick who is now a good friend of mine by 25 miles. Wow. She was yeah, she, she hit 105 and I, I quit at 80. Um, I had more left in me, but I was tired. Um, it was a hot day. And that was more of a training run for me. It was a race, obviously, but it was also leading up to my redemption race in like six after weeks going, at the burning at the burning river. Like so, after going that far, you know, like at eighty-one miles, what like was there something specific that you were kind of like, okay, like I think this is good? Like like what what finally like made the eighty-first mile kind of flip the switch in your brain, like, okay, I'm good now. No, I quit at eighty miles. Or 80 miles. For, yeah, like, um, because, made you decide, like, you know, like, I'm um, good. Because it, once again, my mind was like, so it's a five-mile loop. I'm like, I don't fucking feel like going five miles. That was about it, really. Um, I was tired. I still didn't know a lot about nutrition. Um, and I still don't. It changes every race for me. It sucks. Um, it's a hard thing. to. I have a couple go-to things, but that energy level. Um, I didn't have it then. I didn't. I really didn't have it then. I was just shot. I was beat. Um, once again, which is my MO still to this day, I took off too fast. I start these races way too fast. Um, in my mind, I'm an elite. Mm -hmm. And I, I always think I can be there. Um, it's proven I can't over and over. And slowly, I'm getting better at starting the races. So, what pace, but what pace do you, did you start at? Do you know, like, for that race? I was probably running. Yeah, we ran the first 20 miles in about three hours and 50 minutes. So mm. I was running about yeah, eight, which, yeah, which is uh, good eight, for marathon. What's that? Which is like, you know, like that's like a good pace for a marathon, but when you got 60 more miles to go, exactly. that's a rough yeah. one. Yeah, I'm not an I'm not an elite. I mean, Zach Bitter just ran just today. There's a race called Jackpot, and it's the U.S. Oh, national 100 mile championship. So that guy just ran 100 miles in 11. No, no, 12, I think 12, 12, 10 or something. Whatever it was. Because he had set the record previously. Did he break yeah, yeah, he didn't. Again? He broke the course record at the race out there, but not the, but also, so it's so funny. There was a race in the UK today where the world record was beat 11 hours and some, something for a hundred miler. Six, uh, 640 pace for a hundred freaking miles. That's just, I don't even understand the level of condition. Yeah. Well, well, try to understand me. I think I can do that at the start of races sometimes. <laughs> I still do. It sucks. <laughs> you know, I have I have really good like interval training going, and 
and I'll be running some of my training runs fast. And then I'll be like, I'll get in the race. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be the one where I fucking run an 18 hour hundred. And by mile 50, I'm spent. And when I say tank, I don't DNF. I just tank and I end up being out there 28, 29 hours. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, we're starting to get like the, the upper limit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then from, from that Eagle up, I went to burning river and um, just, I did tear that course up. I didn't sub 24. I ran like 25, I think it was 25, 28. Um, and never really had any dark low points. What's I did on a, there's a, about a 5k loop that's at Pine Hollow. I did, that was kind of dark and shitty through there. And there were a couple things that happened during that part. It was right before I took my HIV pill, which I don't take that med anymore. But that, that one used to make me a little nauseous at night. And I had taken that. Well, I take that, I took that at the aid station before we went out. And at that point, that was mile um, 78 when you go out on that little loop there. No, 72. And you end up at mile 75 coming back. And it's um, it's just, it's always, it was, it was one of my hardest loops at the race when I DNF'd also. It's at that point where the sun's coming, go, the sun's just about down. It's, you know, beyond dusk. I took that pill. And I was just a little spent on there. Um, we got through it. My pacer got me through it, Todd. And um, when I came out of there, that was the only really, never really thought about dropping. I was just like, man, this is fucking sucking right now, Todd. And he's the one that the day after the race said, hey, do you think it had anything to do with taking your pill? I'm like, yeah, it did. It absolutely did when I thought about that. So and then from there on that, from there, I just, um, I did breeze through the last, whatever it was, 12, 22 miles. Yeah, you get there at 78, the last 22 miles, I, I did pretty much breeze, breeze through it, just had fun. I didn't run the whole way, but I never, even when I was walking, I was walking fast and enjoying the company of my pacer. and. Um, I had uh, a friend of mine's daughter who was 21 at the time. She paced me my last 10 miles and she was, she was in recovery also, um, young in recovery. And we were just buddies. We had a blast just laughing, being inappropriate and just, just, just laughing, having a blast. And when I finished, that's when, uh, I'd already started like giving away my medals and stuff, but this was a fucking big gaudy belt buckle I was finally getting for my first one. And um, summer, there was like everybody, it was my first finish. There was a lot of people from Team RWB at the finish line. And they're all taking pictures and congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And I just saw Summer out of the corner of my eyes sta standing by herself. And I'm looking at this medal and I'm like, fuck this thing. And I walked over and put it over her neck. I said, you keep this bitch. I don't need this motherfucker. And she said, what? I said, yeah. I said, you helped me get through the last 10 miles. You helped me train. I said, I don't want that bitch. Things gaudy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she still has it. So the next day I was telling her, 
I'm like, you know what the coolest thing about me giving you that medal? And uh, she's like, what? Oh, no. First, she said, you're not getting it back. I said, no, I don't want it back. I said, the coolest thing is throughout that whole race, it was my first 100-mile finish. There were so many pictures taken throughout the race and posted on social media um, by all my friends and, and everybody that was there. I said, nobody saw me give that to you. Nobody took a picture of that. I said, that's our memory for the rest of our lives as we both stay sober. You got that to remember this. So, and she's, her mom's still my friend and uh, she's still my friend too. So it's pretty cool. Good that's memory. the really cool things about running that kind of like attracted me to it the first time I did the Mohican Marathon was just right. like how cool everybody is. Like, so much cooler. Cool. So much cooler than road marathons. That's what I was going to say because I did a road marathon, um, like kind of a normal, I did a Hamilton Night Glow. I don't know if you've heard of okay. that. One. <clears throat> and it's just like a flat pavement marathon kind of in the city right. area. And, and, you know, I kind of showed up to it and like the vibe was just different. You know, everyone was kind of just, you know, kind of chilling, like, like just in their own thing. Like there was no, like everyone was just kind of there for themselves and everyone kind of ran it. And it didn't like beat the that vibe. Clock. Beat that clock. Just beat that clock. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it was. Yeah. It, yeah. it just had a different feeling to it. Cause like when I got to Mohican, it just felt good. Like it felt. Oh yeah. Fun. You should have seen what a douchebag I was when I ran road marathons. <laughs> just blown by everybody. Yep, I didn't care. Oh, looks like that guy's having a heart attack. Sorry about his luck. Yeah. I got a, I got a time in my head I got to beat. Yeah. And yeah. It just, yeah, the camaraderie and trail running is just so much. It's so awesome. It is, you know, maybe it's in part because, you know, obviously like people who do trail running might be in the nature a little bit more, a little bit more chill. But I think yeah. also like trail running, one, it is harder than most pavement marathons or ultras or anything like that. So um, I think it almost forces, you know, it kind of forces people to go into like a go through more adversity, more difficulty. And you have yeah. to like work through shit. Like when you cried after after um the mile 81 or, or yeah, whichever one. 86. Yeah. yeah like when you cried after that because i i cried after my first marathon which like shocked me like it just yeah. it, i was it just yeah. i was literally crying in the car on the drive home and i was just mind boggled as to why i was crying right now like i couldn't <laughs> understand it yeah. and i think it's yeah. just like going for a run like that where it's like hard and you over a long distance you just like work through shit you don't even know you are at the time. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, I haven't um I haven't really lost it since I, um when when the first 24 hour treadmill thing I did for the Heron project that was that same year. That was uh December of 2000 <clears throat> December of 2016. Yeah, I did I broke down. I broke down and cried just because it was so emotional, the people, <laughs> yeah, I get goosebumps saying this right now, but just the people that, I did it at this uh, little gym in Canal Fulton called Snap Fitness, and we kind of promoted it, uh, we, we promoted it pretty well, but the Heron Project, there were other runners doing it across the nation at the same time, in different areas, Um but the people that I, I had the police chief um, went to talk to him of Canal Fulton about addiction and recovery. 
So he sent police officers in uniform while I'm running on a treadmill at Stamp Fitness. They had a donut eating contest that they paid <laughs> to go into. And then all that money went into this big glass jar that we had. And dude, when I when I got done at 24 hours, I was spent. Trust me, treadmill is sucks. But when I looked over in, in that jar, and I couldn't. I couldn't get, I've told you at the time, I couldn't have guessed how much money was in there. But when I saw $100 bills in there, I'm just like, what the fuck? Because I got on a treadmill. <laughs> you know, people gave money because I got on a treadmill. And yeah, I lost it kind of like I'm being a little bitch right here for a second. But it was, um, it was cool. It was, it ended up being almost four grand, 3,800 and some change in 24 hours. Um, yeah, that, those are, those like, are cool moments because it just so that, that's that's just like one of those moments where it's just like super powerful because you just you know I I I like to like look in my environment for like things to confirm my belief that humans are inherently good and yeah. then when I have such like a when you have like a concrete example like that just laid out in front of you it's like a really powerful thing. It was, yeah, you know. There's something else too. I mean, um, so because I've already shared my story, um, today's my granddaughter's second birthday who I haven't got to meet yet. So that's not weighing on me. Um, I'm not keeping myself sober to meet her. I'm keeping myself sober for me because if I don't stay sober, there will never be a fucking chance to meet her. Does that make sense? It's yeah. got to be me first. It's selfish. Um, I mean, that's it, what it's all about, though, sometimes. It's just like... It, like it's knowing the fact that as long as I keep doing this for me, there's no fucking doubt in my mind those relationships are going to be patched and I'm going to meet that little girl someday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not like I'm solely doing this to meet her. I'm solely doing it for me first, for all the good that comes from it. You know, it sucks. Yeah. It it hurts. It hurts. But but I also have to look back at <clears throat> constantly in Brian's life, my son, saying, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. And when I changed in 2008 to 2014, he was so proud of me because I did it for so long. And I think I said in that last podcast, you know, it was, it was the final dagger when I relapsed in 2014. Um, do I blame him? Nope, I can't. He saw it so many times from the time he was born, you know? So um, that's enough of that. But I mean, I just, I, I continue to do the things I do for me because of the gifts that will come from it. Yeah. Do you like, do you, does stuff like that like really run through your mind? Like when you're running? No, you know, when it runs through my mind, when the lights are off and I'm tossing and turning and fucking bad, yeah. I can't sleep. Yeah, there is something about that. that <laughs> yeah. I, just, it, I think that's all of us though. It's always, um, yeah. and it, I don't dwell on it. No. And there, yeah, I guess actually, uh, there's emotional parts in races where I'm running and I'm like fucking doing this. I wish they could see what I'm doing in ways, you know, but 
Um, yeah, probably. But yeah, most of the time where it goes over, flip does all the flip flops is right over in that bed over there. And but you yeah, get through it. It is um, like, have you ever meditated before? And you know what's funny about that today what? that you asked that because today, um, when we were doing trail cleanup for our trail maintenance for the race coming up, the Nomi's race, there was a lady there who I'd never met. I know her um, from the ultra community where we live here. I know who she is. And she was talking about meditating. And I said, yeah, every time I try to fucking meditate, my brain's like, you should be fucking running right now, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because my mind, and, yeah. It just, and I do, I think my meditation no, I don't like sit Indian style on the floor and meditate per se. I'm not saying, you know, I'm in that perspective, but I do meditate when I'm running there. There, you know, there's no silent. I pull the earbuds off and I'm just running. And that's my kind of meditation. Maybe, maybe I do need to get to another place of it, but I'm so high strung. It's, it's hard for me to just sit there, you know, and I, I guess maybe the the little prayers that I say at night laying in bed is my meditation. Um, but like I I don't sit Indian style with, you know, the peace signs and meditate like like it's perceived, you know. And it, yeah. I think it's it's a different perspective for all of us what meditation is also. You know, for me to meditate when I'm running now compared to three years ago when it was continual hate, hate metal, speed metal, and punk rock in my ears continually in a race to now being able to pull the music out and listen to running Tuscazor 100 last year, 100% music free. You know, that's the growth of my meditation, maybe, in, in a, you know, in a nutshell. Yeah, I think it all, like, I, what I found is that like it all kind of parallels it's like if you're driving to you know columbus you can kind of like you can take this highway or you can take this highway and like they both give you different scenery and different things but you're kind of you're you're going in like the same general direction right. like i really find that that running gives me something like meditation and, yeah. and I need it because like even even when I meditate, which I was going to bring up because of like the tossing and turning thing, because my brain right. would do the same thing at night a lot of times. And as soon as I like sit down to meditate, like my brain just like explodes with <laughs> everything. And it can be like what I'm having for lunch and like what I'm going right. to shop right. for. And it's just it's just this explosion of just everything. I and because I don't know, I, I enjoy thinking and I like being in my head a lot. So it's hard for me to like, you know, kind of view that mode and kind of work with that without just getting into this whole thought craziness thing. Right. And and I, I, def I think I found that and it's something you might like too, because I think you're kind of, you might have kind of the same thing as I do with that is ADHD. a lot of times if you yeah something kind of like that, you know, <laughs> like if, if if I go for a run and like, I, I don't know, I guess I'll backtrack. I feel like everyone has like a, uh, an allowance of energy every day, where it's like, here's your energy for the day. Use it however you want. Right. And, and 
you know, and if, if it's not used, then it starts coming out in anxiety and depression and it starts yeah. oozing out, you know, but if I, if I run and expel that a lot of like my allowance, then when I get into meditate, I can kind of like get into that spot a little bit easier. I hear, yeah. Expelled that, you know? Yeah. I was going to add to that. I forget what I was going to say. Tell getting old. Don't get old, Wes. Don't get old. <laughs> I wasn't planning on it, you know. Yeah, I forget um, where I was going to. Talking about meditating. Um, I don't know. I forget. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, cause meditation was like my first, I guess you could call, form of meditation. That was like what I first started with. And then I got into running afterward. Right. And, and oh, actually, what I was curious about too is I feel like this is something that that I haven't really seen talked about a lot is like the power of like running without headphones and without music. Like when did you, when was the first time you ever tried that? Supposedly, you you know all the elites run without music. Mm -hmm. There there's something to be said on that. Um, slowly, I am transforming. I really am. Um, and I find it more peaceful without music. But there's also that times um, I need it when I run intervals still. So, but it, like, I ran, that was my toughest race, Tuscazor 100 mentally. And I did that without music and I got through it. So, oh, I know what I was going to say, just back up a little about the energy. We only have so much. Have you got to the point now, for me, most of my runs are not energy. I'm not using energy. Does that make sense? They're relaxing. Yeah. Even my training runs are relaxing. I can come home and be exhausted from a day of, of spraying, climbing up and down a ladder, spraying a, a whole house, and come home and just be exhausted coming home and uh, sit down and be like, Ah, fuck, I got I got 12 on the books. All right, let's go do it. And as soon as you start it, it does you you're not tired anymore for me. That's what I don't I don't what's the word? Um I don't need energy to run. You know, I just don't. It's just that relaxing thing anymore. You know, yeah, maybe I'm trying to think, maybe there's like a better way to word it because because what what i've found with like as i've kind of really gotten back into running more and like running after work and stuff like that is is like before i would get caught up in this pattern of like like i would get home from work and i'm like so tired i'm like oh like i i don't want to like you know even do anything i'm just right. so tired and I also would get into like the i don't have time mindset where like exactly. i don't have time for this i don't have time for that and i like knew like i've always said like i always knew that was a lie that i was telling myself but i just like, could not get myself to to understand that it was not true right and then when i started running and, it, and like would run after work or whatever it is i would find that even though i was tired I would have more energy to do things overall right. and for and it, I get the same thing with meditation too is that and then all of a sudden like I don't have the same time issues that I had before like all of a sudden I have time to do this and then I have time to do that and it's like 
is this even like is this is this even like a, is this a video game because it's just, like things aren't working it should be that like i run and i'm more tired and less energy to do things and less time to do things but it's reverse exactly exactly it's the ultimate antidepressant there's no doubt no doubt in my mind but the, but the pharmaceutical the, companies won't tell you that no and it's, it's funny because you know oftentimes if you say something like that then you get pushback of us like well you don't know what it's like to you know be this way or feel this way and i'm sure there's plenty of people who you know like have a chemical imbalance i agree have yeah. problems and, and you know obviously it's not making a blanket statement about this but there is something to be said for absolutely if you run whatever is you know if you run a solid for me it's usually like it's somewhere between at least eight miles usually is what I need to like really okay. hit that thing. Yeah. Yep. And there, I and I can't describe it. And if you do that consistently, like I, I went on a fairly long run today and, and it's, you know, it just eliminates all the edge, like to right. me, like there's no hard like, edges. It's just smooth. Yep. I haven't ran for a week, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. The, well, I, me and, uh, you know, my conspiracy theories and anti-COVID, it kicked my ass, Wes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. Yeah, it did. I mean, um, the actual time I had it didn't. I ran a week ago Saturday. A week ago today was the last time I ran, and we went out. My friend Jen, who I'm training, had a 25-mile training run, and I felt decent. I mean, two days before I ran um, like six miles, making fun of COVID and ran it at 740 pace. And Sunday or Saturday when we ran, um, got to my, we were doing a three mile loop and we got to mile 12 and I'm like, I think I'm done. I said, my body is spent. She said, are you okay? I said, I don't know. So she said, well, I'm going to do at least one more. I'll drop you off at home and then uh, I'll run you home and then uh, I'll come back because I rode with her. Um, well, I ride with everybody. We, we've already discussed. I'll never have a driver's license. But, <laughs> so, so we did one more loop and um, went to eat. I came home and I looked at my uh, Coros app. I ran, we ran 15 miles in like a 1050 pace, I think. 1050, 10.55, I was in the red zone of my heart rate for 70% of that run, which it shouldn't be for me. I should have been, at that pace, I should have been maybe 10 to 15%. And that's when I knew that it was definitely, my body was still healing. And that's when I knew, I knew taking a week off was, would not, if anything, I'm going to come back stronger and faster. Um, and then like, so I was exhausted that day. I was exhausted Sunday, Monday. Um, I was getting winded going up and down a ladder at work still. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Tuesday was every day got a little better. And Friday, yesterday, I felt almost normal. And today climbing the hills, I had a leaf blower on my back and carrying a rake and stuff. Um, I felt I wasn't winded climbing. Um, I'm actually going out 
at nine tonight, she's got 22 miles to run. So I'm going to run 22 with her tonight. Um, oh, but I'm also right gonna, if I, what's that? Jumping right back into it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 22. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. But uh, if I feel uh, I'm, I'm smart enough, I'm not, er, er, I'm not as arrogant and cocky as I used to be. I can still be there, but I'm not, I'm a very smart runner now. If I'm feeling spent, yeah, that's what I'm, yeah, I'm that's done. what I, like I have to learn. Um, yeah, that's the part that gives me that like nervous excitement is like I don't know these things. Like I don't know like what I need to do whatever run I'm doing or, or like you know what I mean. Like I have a general yeah. idea, but so th that's that's what interests me. How long did it take you to like start figuring out like start, what you need smart. and everything? It's still a work in progress, actually. Um, we're men. We're men. We got egos. We're both in the military. We got egos. We can do anything. Um, just knowing going, well, a year ago at this time is when I was almost injured and couldn't run anymore. So going through that and learning to listen to your body. If you're tired, stop. Um, Losing out a couple miles on a training run because you're not having fun, it's you're not not going to finish that race that you're training for. If you're out there and it's not fun, why the fuck are you doing it? That's that's kind of my attitude and the things that I've learned. You know, um, now you can't have that attitude with every run. Man, this sucks. I don't want to do this long run. But if you're actually out there being miserable and you think you're going to run through it. You can if you want, or you can say, you know what, fuck it. Tomorrow's another day. I'm going to go home and have that banana split that's on my mind um, or whatever. You know, it's, it's just knowing your own body. We're all different. You have to learn to relate and not compare to everybody because you're going to find your own way. Um, you know, you can pick, pick apart my brain and other runners. And you're going to learn what's going to work for you. But if you're not happy, if you're miserable on a run, why are you doing it? Ask yourself that. And you're not, I, I promise you, you're not, not going to finish that race. You will finish that race regardless if you say, damn, I missed that one training run. That sucks. I'm not going to finish this race. Bullshit. You will. And yeah. for me, it's, you know, why am I doing it if I'm miserable? You know, that's, it's actually, you know, go back uh, maybe a metaphor to the drugs. Eventually it was, why am I doing this? I'm miserable anymore. It's not giving me the same effect. You know, I'm not enjoying this high. It's a job. So incorporate, I, I guess that's just kind of dawned on me right now talking to you. I guess that's probably the same attitude that i have there if it's miserable if it's a shitty miserable training run fuck it and that's what i tell jen or and anybody else that i kind of work with because i'm not really a coach per se or a trainer or anything you know i don't have i don't have that sheepskin hanging on the wall behind me <laughs> but it's all just trial and error too but yeah that's what i you know like when i first started running 
I, I was like really in the mindset of like, you know, like I have to do this no matter what, like, and, and like a very like tense mind state. And, and I would like, you know, force myself to run when I really didn't want to, and I, you know, all of that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I ran a marathon, so you can kind of like skate by on, on like a distance like that, yeah. and like, you know, kind of whatever. And, and then I, you know, have kind of like flipped that a little bit where I started testing out the mindset of like, if I don't want to, if I don't want to run, I just won't, I won't do this training run. And, and what I found was, um, it, it, is that I, it, I had been like lying to myself the whole time and I really did want to do these runs, but I just kept convincing myself that I'm forcing myself to do this and I don't want to do this. And then when I actually gave myself the option, I was like, oh yeah, I actually really do want to do this. Exactly. Yeah, that's we all figure that out. And the other thing, there's nothing wrong with walking either. Oh, I'm going to be walking on the mile. I would guarantee it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, (laughs) even in your training runs, I used to be like, especially when I first started and I was back in my hometown, be like, these motherfuckers, if they see me walking, they're going to think I'm a pussy. I'm Bob Moore, the runner. You know, now if I feel like walking, I'm going to walk. And walking will make you just as strong. I mean, yeah, that's and that's something I, I got humbled on with the Mohican Marathon. Yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. I had right. no idea what the course was even remotely. So, you know, if we started going, you go through like the little road pavement part in the beginning. Right. And then you hit the trails. And then within the first little bit, you start going up a hill. And, and like all these people start walking. It's like a single file trail. And I'm just like freaking out in my head. I'm just like, we barely started. Why are you people walking? Like, I can't, pass. this is just stupid. Like start running. And I finally get some space and I start running. I'm like, finally got past all those slow runners. And then I hit the next hill. I'm like, oh, this hill sucks. And then I hit the next hill and I'm like, I think these just like keep going. And I'm pretty sure they were walking because they knew these just keep going. So you're probably probably going to have to conserve your energy a little bit. Eventually, probably some of those people that walked started passing you too. Right? Well, I, would, I would put all my money on it. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I ran a few hills and then started getting trashed early on. And then there's just right. more hills. And I was like, I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you just learned that. But yeah, I mean, there's no, even any training runs, if you got to walk, walk. It, yeah. It, yeah. And it, I mean, it'll help you for in the long run in your ultras too, because you're going to walk. You have to be able to, when you run and then walk, run and then walk, it helps your body when you come into an aid station and sit down for a couple minutes and then you get back up. You're not going to be as tight if you're doing, if you're doing that in your training, doing the run, walk, run, walk. No. Yeah, I, I probably should incorporate that a little bit more because I do some walking on like hills and stuff, but yeah, I don't do a lot, a lot of walking. Yeah, I, I won't walk. I won't usually walk in a 25 to 30 mile run if I'm running pretty flat other than the hills. But when I run with, whenever I'm running with somebody else that isn't where I am in running, I run their pace. And when they walk, I walk. I'll push them when they need to be pushed, but um, you're not out there to show anybody up. And I always have to remember too, I can run fast by myself anytime I want, you know? Yeah. So it helps to run with, um, I don't want to say less caliber, 
not slower runners, yeah. just, you know, we're all different. We're all different. We all, definitely. Not not, everybody. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely not, not on your level, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do the 50 K is because I, I just want to, I'm cause I'm not even at that point in my training where I feel like, like a 50 K is like, you know, something right. that fits into my training at all. But I, I wanted to, I don't, I, cause it's funny cause you mentioned ego. I still like, I have a little bit of that ego thing where I'm just like, well, even though I'm not really at that point in my training, it's fine. I can definitely run it. I can definitely run a 50 miler right now. I can def- and I, it, if I like really, really came down to it, like I believe that I could run a hundred miler right now, but a lot of that is ego. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. in my head, oh, like, yeah. yeah, I can do a hundred miler right now. Right. But when you, you know, I, I honestly don't know though, if I'm like, it's like both sides of the coin. Absolutely. Oh yeah. You're where I was a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to be humbled at some point with, with this yeah. but it's part of it. Yeah, I think I, yeah. I may, you never know. I may have a bib for Nomi's and run it with you. <laughs> I have a 24 hour, I have a 24 hour race the following weekend. So really, but it, yeah, but it's not my race really. I'm running it with Jen, the girl I'm training. Mm-hmm. So it's her race and she's got her goals. Um, and I promised her I'd stay by her side the whole way. So it all depends on how I feel. I leave Mon or we leave a week from today for Arizona for I'm uh, pacing and crewing a friend of mine running a 250 mile race. Oh there. yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. We leave, we leave next Saturday. So, it's all going to depend on how much running I do out there, how I feel, but there's probably a 50, 50 chance I'll have a bib and I won't tell you till the time race starts. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll run it with like, you. Uh, the slot machines. We'll just see what happens. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It all depends. Um, and it, I mean, it's going to depend on tonight too. I'm nervous in a way, see where my body, how my body's going to react, you know? Um, and the other thing is too, I just switched HIV meds. I don't know if that's playing anything in this in how I feel either. Yeah. I have blood work I have blood work done Thursday, but I haven't got the results yet. So I don't know. Did did you start feeling a little like different around that? I guess COVID also corresponded, I guess, with your change in HIV. It did meds. everything. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. I had been on the meds. Um, probably about three weeks prior to me getting COVID. So I don't think, I don't think it's meds. I think it was COVID. I'm pretty yeah. sure the meds are doing what they're supposed to do. There definitely are some long people that get like a little bit of lingering effects for a little while yeah. and it's, it dissipates slowly. You know? yeah. I still can't taste and smell a hundred percent. That's like a common one that I found. Yeah, that is, I mean, and that's the only True. I didn't go get tested because I'm not blowing up the fucking numbers for my stupid government. Oh, yeah, so, I, feel I mean, when when it, it was obvious when I couldn't taste and smell and my friend I was with uh, six days prior tested positive. I got I got it. There's no doubt. You know, yeah. you don't get like you if you get, get really like if you get really sick and you need to go to the hospital, then you will. If you don't. Yeah. Then you, you know, so I don't see what a test is going to do to change. Exactly. Like, I already know it. 
I, I can't taste and smell. I know I got it, but I never had a fever, a cough. Um, I mean, I ran my second fastest half marathon with COVID. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of, yeah. yeah. That's one of those things where, you know, it's just like, you know, you just see what happens. You, right. You know, but it was, I mean, yeah, the after effects were worse than the actual thing to me. Just the exhaustion that I felt. You know, yeah, but. that's that's always a thing. Like anything that, like that, brings down my ability to like exert effort and focus is what really is the most difficult for me. Because I like I yeah. even if I'm tired, I can still kind of focus. I can exert effort, but when that's like taken away, then it's, it's really hard. hard to, uh, well, there's it used to be. It's not as bad anymore. But you know, maybe three years ago, whenever I would get sick, as as recent as three years ago it would always be that in the back of my mind is, is am i getting aids i really don't believe that way anymore i just my body i quit believing that i have hiv so if you don't believe you have something that's half the battle you know i take the pill religiously like i'm supposed to and i do everything else but there's still that other when you get sick and you feel your own mortality because you do have you know, kind of a life-threatening disease. You're like, fuck, is this the end? Fuck, fuck, fuck. But that, that was three years ago. Now it's just a, 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 a fleeting thought, you know. Fuck, is it the HIV? No, you asshole, you took your pill. You're good. You know, yeah. that's, how I have, that's how I have to talk to myself sometimes. <laughs> that is, like, definitely a thing I didn't think about is, like, the, you know, because, like, I will definitely like i i even like this past week i i i will get into situations that i'll you know blow out of proportion like i generally right. am pretty ill and laid back but there are just like some things that that like i just start thinking about and i'm just like my and i just can't quite get myself over that hump of like looking at like well it could be this and and it could lead to this and then i'm right. gonna have to deal with that and it's really hard to process that right and you've been having to like deal with that for years. Yeah, yeah, but you just learn. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what just, I guess is interesting. You know, do you think running helped with that at all? Like, do you like do you think it was running, or do you think it was just was like time and life experience? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. I mean, <clears throat> running is just such a metaphor for life and never giving up. I, in my mind. You know, so it all coincides with each other. And yeah, in time and experience, you know, and looking back, always remembering like when when I say, you know, our, our past is that reference book that we keep up on a shelf and we dust off to bring down. You learn from that. You don't relive that past. But yeah, you look back and you're like, wow, I remember when I thought this way and now look how I thought or think, you know, I don't have yeah. to think that way anymore. You know, it'll be interesting. Like looking back at like, like the me of like five years ago and, it, and it'll be strange. Yeah. It seems like it's, it seems like it's not like that was not me. Like it was a different person that looked like me. Right. It's like this weird thing. I'll just like look back on it. Like, nah, that wasn't really me. Like that was because it's like you shed, you know, yeah. like you shed that whatever after like certain you know amount of years right well we're doing a house up in akron and we 
um, the neighborhood we're driving through is the hood, basically, you know, it's not, it's just funny, the hood of Akron compared to the hood that I'm used to, Detroit, it's a big difference. But <laughs> when I when I still see the tent city and the homeless and that, I'm like, you know, my buddy Jeremy was with me and I'm like, dude, it's not that far removed from me. You know, I see those people. No, I didn't do the same things they did. I didn't stand on the corner begging. I had my own, my own way, my own gig going on. But you look and I have nothing. I really don't have sympathy because shouldn't say that. I have a whole lot of empathy. Um, I don't have sympathy because I look at myself, which I probably shouldn't. I was there by a choice. I don't know that all those people are there by a choice. You know, some of them may have worse mental disorders or whatever that that lead them out there. But working in that neighborhood every day last week, driving through it, it was just a good reminder, you know, of just what you said, the skin we shed, the past that, you know, it's hard to believe I was that person at one time. Yeah, it's almost like, it's almost like you like jumped into like a crazy VR game and then you know, like you played that character for a little bit and then like you pop out of it and then now you're you now and like you yeah. have all the lessons from the experience that you had, but right. it's like, that wasn't me. I just was experiencing that part in a, in a different way. Right. Or, or yeah, part of it might be, um, you know, that might still be living in me. Part of my all, a bunch of different alter egos that could be triggered at any time too. That's why yeah. I stay focused and positive too. So that, so those uh, <laughs> other personalities don't come out, which they can at times, you know? Yeah. I think everyone really has multiple personalities. I think so too. hundred yeah. percent. Like I'm, yeah. I'm different than you with you than I would be with like a stranger who, I don't know that I, I met at like, I don't know, or that I just started talking to at a restaurant or something. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. I, I'm maybe not going to talk about, about some things and I'm oh, yeah. with my girlfriend than I am with my family and, and oh, all yeah. the different variations. Well, that's, you know, the people I'm living with right now, their daughter's the one I run with. And she's always like, um, you know, it's so fun to run with you because I can talk to things. And her parents are about my age. They're five years older than me. And basically I could be Jen's father also. So she's always like, you know, I can talk to things about you that to you that I wouldn't want to talk to my mom or dad about, you know? So yeah, yeah we all, we all different. have experienced that in different ways. Yeah. And that's different. just like, you know, there's a lot of people that think they know me because I'm very open about DHIV, my past and my addiction, but there's a lot more to me. There's a lot more onions layers you know, to me than just the recovery guy that I'm very open about on Facebook. That's not the total me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and like, that's like, like probably the greatest gift I feel like I ever got in life was the ability to have people in my life that I can be completely myself. Right. Completely open. Because I, I think all, I think everyone goes through a period where, especially younger, like when you don't have that, you feel like you can't be yourself and express yeah. yourself 
and that starts like it starts doing something like you it, it starts weighing very very heavily yes really it does. yep but yeah it's so i mean that's why i don't know that's why i, I just think the whole um one reason that's, that's why i like you because i feel like i'm not going to offend you with anything i don't have to watch <laughs> I don't have to right. watch my words. You know, if we both came from the military, so we know yeah. like the level yeah. of offensive shit that can be said exactly. that you couldn't say to yeah. other people outside of the military. Yeah, because know? they'll look at you like you're nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the biggest attractions. I think that's also one of the biggest hard parts for people who then get out of the military is like you oh, don't have is. that. And it's not even just a bro it's not even just like the the friendship brotherhood. It's just that ability to be like I can say anything. And it's going to be cool. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And they, yep. Yeah. That, that could be a, another whole podcast there. <laughs> well, we, we can turn that into a whole nother, <laughs> right. another podcast probably. Yeah. But all of a sudden we're, we'll be that, oh, that, that racist bunch, the, the middle aged, uh, for me, the middle age, you're a little younger, but because I'm military middle aged white guy, I'm racist. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Which that's the type of thing where it's just you know, you like you know everyone like if if you really know who you are, it's still hard to deal with other people's opinions, but it, it, it definitely helps oh, yeah. a lot. Like it, yeah. it helps at least, and it, and we just even just having that support group where like I have people who know me, so even if that person doesn't like me or or whatever it is, like right. I have I have my tribe, I have my people, like I'm good. yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But yeah, I think uh, I think that kind of covers you know oh. everything with the with the podcast. Well, you're part of my tribe now. Oh yeah, that's uh, you know I I think it's funny too that um, I, like I've had this experience a few times in my life where I've met someone and like then not had like like we have we've seen each other in person once. Right. You know, yeah. And we both but, had the same we both had the same shirt on that day. Yeah, that was the key. But yeah, it's, it's funny because like we can see each other one time, and then like you know one time in in uh, however whenever we met last, which was I think like, it was like two years ago. It was something close to two. Yeah, it was yeah. two years ago because I ran um, Mohican in two thousand eighteen, yeah. I think. So so it, yeah, it would have been like two years ago. Yeah, which is crazy. But then you know just to, like to only see you in person one time, but also like. Like I, I legitimately consider you my friend. Yeah, and, you know, and I feel too, like right? and yeah. I feel like I can just be my, myself with you. That's you know, awesome. Good. Yep. But yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks Keep... for doing this again too. Like I, oh, I yeah, I'm no not, problem. I, I think you're fucking awesome. Well, you know, thank you. So are you you make this. a difference too. So keep October fourth in your mind. That's gonna be your first hundred. <laughs> well, I'll do you're, it with you. You scared me right now, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, think about it. I yeah, I will. I will. All right, we'll thanks, Wes. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, I'll talk all to right. You later. I love you, bro. I'll talk I to you later. You.